if you got your Bibles, uh, I just want to read uh, a story that most of you will probably know anyway from Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. It's about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, uh, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, uh, and when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Have any of you ever made a decision where you look back on that decision and you realize that that decision was a key decision to a whole bunch of other things happening in your life? And if you hadn't have made that decision, None of that stuff would have happened. You know, I talk back at, uh, to my testimony and, and part of my testimony is the fact that I basically got down on my knees one night and I said to God, if you reveal yourself to me, I will give you my life. If I hadn't have made that decision in God, my life wouldn't be here before you today. I would be doing something else. I would be down a complete different road, you know, Things would have gone a complete different way. But that day, I made a decision. I made a decision, and then I followed through on that decision. And now I can stand before you, 30, it's about 35, 36 years later, and I can say, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be standing before you. I wouldn't be able to tell you about the goodness of God in my life. I wouldn't be able to tell you about the fact that I've done trips to India. I've prayed for deaf people and seen them hear. I've, I've uh, prayed for blind people and seen them see. And I've, I've prayed for people that haven't walked uh, for 18 months and I've seen them get up and walk. I know that God can do miracles, but I couldn't share any of that stuff with you if I hadn't have made that one key decision, which was say yes to God. So I love this picture about Zacchaeus because he made one decision. And I, I want to talk about uh, this morning about that very thing. One key decision or one key, is it up there? It's the first PowerPoint there. One big idea. One big idea. You know, it all starts with one big idea. And so I thought I'd just very briefly talk about that because... The Bible describes Zacchaeus. Now, one of the things that I love about Zacchaeus is uh, the Bible doesn't tell you a whole lot about him. It tells you a few little things, and the Bible's often like this. That, you know, when you look at, there's a lot of stories and a lot of accounts that it gives of, of uh, Jesus and situations, and it, it tells you some bare facts, but it doesn't try and color it in with a whole bunch of stuff, which 
uh, is in some ways we can say, well, what about this and what about that and and why this and why that that way? And But the Bible is concerned with just stating a whole bunch of facts and, and I think it gives us a room to imagine a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think that gives us uh, a lot of a lot of room to ask questions and pray about and to seek God on. And I mean, with Zacchaeus, I find a whole bunch of questions that I have around it. I mean, the Bible describes that he was he was very short. You know, today we would say he was he was a hobbit. He was of short stature. You know, he couldn't see over the crowd and. But he wanted to know who Jesus was. He had heard about Jesus. Now, it says that he was a wealthy tax collector. In fact, he was a chief tax collector. What we know from the Bible is that tax collectors often were, they're not like they, the amazing people that work for IRD like Mary now and that who, who are as straight as, straight as an arrow flying, uh, you know, in a, in a country that is considered to be, I think, the most corrupt, free country in the world, tax collectors were notorious for using dishonest scales. And so the Bible talks in Proverbs and, and books about, uh, about people, about how God measures with true scales. And, and when it talks about that, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that tax collectors often used incorrect scales and it so that when they were measuring out taxes and gold and silver and bronze and whatever it was that uh, that they were weighing, they would they'd say that's you've paid a hundred dollars when actually you'd paid a hundred and two dollars, and then I would skim that two dollars off. That went in my pocket. The hundred dollars went to uh, the authorities, uh, and so it was notorious uh, for people to be skimming. Uh, and dishonest. So when we talk about tax collectors, it's, you know, with Jesus hanging out with um, with the tax collector was considered to be a bad, bad thing. He was considered to be dishonest. He's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. But it didn't worry him. He wanted to know who Jesus was. And the thing I love about it is he ran ahead. He, he heard Jesus was coming through the city and he wanted to know who Jesus was. The best thing we can do in life, if you don't know who Jesus is, the best thing you can do in life is spend some time in figuring out who Jesus is. He, he heard Jesus was coming and he wanted to see who he was. Jesus was becoming famous. People knew that miracles were happening. People knew that people were seeing. Deaf people were hearing. Um, People were getting raised from the dead. People who were lame were, you know, getting healed. People with all kinds of illnesses and sicknesses were getting healed. And he wanted to in on a little bit of that. Now, it doesn't say why he wanted in on it. Maybe he was, maybe he had some kind of sickness himself. Maybe he had some kind of illness. Or maybe he was just, you know, just curious to see who this guy was. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. How many have seen a sycamore fig tree? No one, I hadn't either. I looked it up on the internet because I was just curious the other day. And the best uh, description I can give you is it looks, a big one looks like a really big elm tree. They're huge. In fact, to me, it looked like an elm tree. They are a huge tree. Now, I'm assuming it doesn't say how high he climbed. Maybe he climbed 10 meters up the tree. We don't know. I don't think he did. I think he is, he is short. 
he needed to see over the crowds. He could probably do it from about where I'm standing now, maybe a little bit higher. So he probably didn't climb up high, but he was high enough that he, that he, and close enough that he could hear and he could hear someone speaking to him. Jesus walks by and Jesus sees him. And that's one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus noticed people who weren't significant. It tells you that he was short. And he also, in terms of society, in terms of his occupation, and that there were shortcomings. You know, there wasn't reputation. He wasn't someone that you might, that you think, I want to become someone important, so I'm going to hang around them because they're cool. They've got status. They're a director. They're... No, Jesus noticed someone who was insignificant, who, had climbed, so, who was short and had climbed a tree so he could see him. And he, and he calls out to him and he says, you know, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to go to, we're going to have dinner together. I'm going to come to your place and we're going to hang out. I love that. Because what that tells us is that we can hang out with Jesus too. Jesus notices us as well. And so it brings me to my first point, which is uh, position. We need to put ourselves in a position where we can hang out with God. We need to put ourselves in a position uh, where if we're serving in a church or wherever, we come to where we're serving. You know, if there's uh, things like leaders meetings or church happening, we come along because it's part of seeking after God as we put ourselves physically in a position where God is passing by. Now, it doesn't mean that God hangs out in here because I think we all know that God is everywhere at all times, 24-7, 365, that every year of your life you can reach out to Him. It doesn't matter where you are. There's been times when I was in the police where I was, you know, things uh, when I was doing training and development where the things wouldn't be going well with a course, you know. I'd be organizing a conference and suddenly a couple of speakers would ring and say, hey, I've double booked. I can't come. And it's like, but the conference is in a week, you know. And, and I remember one conference, I was stressed. I was bouncing off the walls. I was so stressed. None of it was bad planning on my behalf. It was just bad, you know, stuff was happening. That's called life, isn't it? Stuff happens in life. Things don't always go the way we plan. And so I remember once just feeling so stressed in my office, and I just went and found a um, uh, a toilet, and uh, it was a paraplegic toilet, third floor, no one used it. I wasn't being dishonest. Media sometimes say people who do that are dishonest. Uh, no one was using it, and no one would use it on that floor. So I snuck in there for five minutes. I just cried out to God and said, will you just help me sort things out? Like you come through because I can't do it, but you can. You know, when we cry out to God, he meets us. When we put ourselves in a position where we have to rely on him, and I love this. Um, some, Some leaders speak about that as part of our faith journey, put yourselves in places where God has to come through for you. Put yourself in a place where what you've got isn't enough because it's going to make you have have to have faith. It's going to make you have to have trust in God that He will come through and some stuff, which is which I just find is cool because then it allows you to give testimonies to other people, share with other people. This is what God can do in your life. I know because He's done it in my life. So that's the first thing: is we put ourselves in a position where we can see Christ come past, see God in our lives. And, and Zacchaeus did that. The second thing uh, that we do, have we got slide number three there? Coming. 
You've only got one. That's cool. We'll go with that. I, I like that. Yeah, and the second thing is put ourselves in a place where we can uh, open up to God. We can say yes to Christ. So the first thing is position, put ourselves in a position. Second thing is where we can say yes to God. And I love that. He saw who Jesus was and then Jesus called out to him and then he responded to Jesus. He climbed down from the tree because he could have been up the tree and said, no, I don't want you to come to my place. Or no, I just wanted to see who you were. But no, what did he do? He said, he came down, his actions showed, and he had Jesus over for a meal. And then clearly he heard people murmuring, people, it says muttering, mutter, 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 you know, this, and this often happened, you know, Jesus is hanging out, he's meant to be the teacher, but he's hanging out with these kind of people, and he's hanging out with those kind of people, and a, a, a holy person doesn't hang out with those. Isn't it cool that Jesus didn't play that game? Isn't it cool that Jesus didn't care about status? Jesus didn't care about religious, what religious people think. He just cared about connecting with real people. In fact, he ran, I think, often more away from what uh, the Pharisees and people who are religious thought he would to be with people who really needed him. And as he often said, you know, the well don't need a physician. The well don't need a physician. That's what he said then as well. And and uh, so he went with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, it never says that Zacchaeus was dishonest. What it says is that Zacchaeus stood up and said, and, you know, right here and now, I'm going to give away half of what I have to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give away, how much did it say? Four times. Who can afford to give away four times? If I cheat you over a million dollars, can I afford to give, pay you four million dollars? It's going to bankrupt me. I think based on what he said, I don't think Zacchaeus was dishonest. Think about it. If he was dishonest and he had cheated people, do you think he would have offered to pay four times the penalty? Four times what he had stolen? I think it was a sign. He was saying, check my conscience. My conscience is clear. If there's anyone who I've wronged, I'll repay them four times. I think Zacchaeus was saying, I haven't behaved like that. I'm an honest person. And that's my uh, third point is about principles. Zacchaeus, I believe, had principles. And I think he, one of them that he operated was honesty, integrity. And that's one of the things that I think we can get from that is when we come into a relationship with Christ, when we put ourselves in a place where we can see him come by, when we position ourselves so that we can respond to him, things change. You know, when I became a Christian, I, I used to swear so bad. Even my non-Christian friends used to often tell myself and another guy, you guys have got to stop swearing so much because we were so foul-mouthed. I just swore, swore, swore. When I became a Christian, it stopped. Now, no one told me that Christians don't swear. No one told me, you got to stop swearing, buddy. No one told me it's terrible. I just knew in here, something changed in here. The Spirit of God came into my life. Christ came into my life and something changed. Principles started to come into my heart. 
You know, God's a desire to live God's ways. Just I realized when I started to read the Bible, I mean, I'd open the Bible before I gave my life to Christ. And it was like there was something about this book. You know, I just opened it and I just felt like the whole room changed. It was like the Spirit of God came into the room. And, you know, it was like, I just can't describe it. It was so amazing. But when I read it, it's like it came alive. And so I started to read about Jesus. I started to read about what he did and and have a hunger for it. And I really did have a hunger to know about God. I really did. I sought him. Uh, I mean, we all did back in those days, didn't we, Mary? Everyone was hungry. It was the 80s. It was, was on the back of the 70s and on the back of the 60s. And everyone was hungry, hungry, hungry for everything that God had to do and everything God was doing and all the crazy times that were happening and you know, we were all hungry, and we still are today, aren't we? It's cool. And so, uh, you know, I I started to change, and and that's what I love about Zacchaeus is he was a principal person. He was a person that put Christ first, and he was willing to stand up, and he gave away half of everything he had to the poor as a sign, I have changed. Today, I make a decision to follow Christ. Today, I put Jesus first. Today, something in my life has changed and my bank account's going to look a whole lot different because of it. In fact, it's going to take a 50% hit right here and now. Now, I'm not saying that putting God first means you've got to empty your bank account. It's not about that. But with Zacchaeus, it was a sign of his decision, his putting Christ first in his life, his acknowledging that there was a living God in his life. And so there's three points for us to think about, about positioning ourselves, you know, putting ourselves in a place and priorities, principles. So I'll leave you with those. Uh, One of the things that I've loved watching the last few weeks is I've been watching a series uh, on the internet. And it's a, it's a series, most of you will have watched it, I think. It's a series called Church in the Wild. And it's been gripping. I showed it to the kids last week and I said, you've got to watch this, it's so cool. Uh, how many have we got here who have been involved in that, the filming or the production? Who actually, who did the mixing of it? And So good. So good. You guys are so talented. Yeah. You know, coming down and mixing with your youth and young adults, I sense there's a real hunger in their lives to put Christ first in their lives, you know. And, uh, it, you know, that's something that we can all continue with. We should all journey together in that. Young, the young through to the not so young. You know, great this morning praying for your pillars. You know, if you're a pillar here, God bless you. God bless you. I know you've been praying for this church for many years. I've started to learn about some of the history of this church. It's a rich church, and I'm not talking about the bank balance. You have a rich, rich history as a church. You You have a heritage as a church that's incredible. Um, and so Jenna and I are just so thankful to come and uh, be able to uh, become connected with your heritage and and uh, it become part of our heritage going forwards as well. So uh, thank you. 
thank you for all you do. And uh, we just really look forward to getting to know you guys uh, going forwards and having coffees and having meals and just doing life through thick and thin and ups and downs because and, that's what life is, isn't it? You just hang out, we become family, and we journey together. So um, I'll hand back to Bruce. Thanks. Nice meeting you.